Hi, this is John Ozante, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that this week's message is encouraging and full of hope wherever you're at. So for the sake of uh, maybe some of you that weren't here, I'm going to do a very short recap from last week's Sunday. Uh, part one of our series on the labels that we wear. And last week, our subtopic was the clothes that we wear when it comes to our labels. And uh, I used the metaphor of actual clothing as we looked at how Paul taught us about the wardrobe that we're meant to be dressed in as we're learning to follow Jesus. So we read from 1 Corinthians 12 last week. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still just one body. And it's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into this large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. And this is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, something more comprehensive. And so we talked about what does it mean to attach our lives to just one beautiful, integrated, comprehensive label. And we also set up the truth that just because something is true about your physical body or your soul, your mind and your will and your emotions, just because something is true about your emotions or your physical body doesn't mean that that has to label your life. And we talked through that the old labels we've used to identify ourselves are no longer useful. We need something larger. And I said that I believe the difference is choosing to identify and label our lives from a place of spirit rather than our soul or our body. Because we are each a unique three-part being. We have a spirit and we are a spirit housed in a physical body and we have a soul. And we need to fight to make sure that our identity as a follower of Jesus stays rooted in our spirit. And we talked about a case study on the historical person of Jesus, how he was uniquely human yet fully God. He, was reject, he rejected rule-based religion that saw human beings enslaved to law as a means of salvation. We talked about how Jesus elevated and made equal women and children in a Roman empire where they were seen as just slaves. He modeled servant leadership and saw people for their spiritual worth rather than their net worth. Jesus looked beyond people's past behavior and offered them grace and mercy when they needed it the most. Jesus was compassionate. He was kind. He was humble. He had a quiet strength. He forgave quickly and fully and entirely, and he always showed love. The integrated, comprehensive label that we set up last week as the goal in following Jesus is simply this. My label is, I want to learn to follow Jesus better. I follow Jesus. What if that was our label? What if that is what we wore when we interacted with the world around us, not just in safe Christian community, but in meaningful, on-the-street, business, family, neighborhood, workplace, where it counts the most. What does it look like for us to wear the label, I want to follow after Jesus? 
And we closed out last week by saying when you've got a vibrant and healthy spiritual identity, all of your old body labels and all of your old soul labels find a new picture to build themselves around. Find new hope, find new pathways, new wiring to figure out what does it mean with my body and my soul and my spirit to live a life following Jesus. We become spiritually alive when we choose to surrender our lives to a real and loving God and submit our lives to that perfect mediator, Jesus. So that was the clothes that we wear. Today I want to talk about the voices that we hear when it comes to the labels we're wearing. In particular, the voices that we hear in regards to our past and where we've come from. What destructive labels are you wearing today that have been entirely shaped by your past experiences? What have you gone through in your human existence that's begun to label your life in in negative and destructive ways? What are you holding on to from your past that has begun to shape how you behave and how you live out following Jesus? What stuff is there? Now, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, I'm not about to probe and dig. I'm not about to get personal with, with each and every one of you. But I believe God's spirit wants to do something today. And I believe that God's word wants to help us grow as we look at shaping our identity of following Jesus in regards to the things that we've come through rather than letting the things that we've come through shape our identity because there's a big difference. This is an empty bottle correct? I know because I I finished drinking it earlier. And if you were thirsty, what would you say to me? I need a full one. But but this says Nanton water on here. It was was manufactured by by an Alberta company, and, and they're a water producing company, and that's what was in here. So won't this suffice? Will this will this quench your need? No, because the label that's on the outside is only a picture of what used to be on the inside. The label is simply um, sharing what, what used to be contained within this vessel. And I'm curious if you wear labels today that are trying to identify you with something that your life used to contain, something that your life used to hold on to, something that your life once experienced but isn't anymore? What experiences did your life used to contain that impact how you see yourself today? They're trying to keep you locked in the past as they bring labels to your identity. You're carrying around an empty experience hoping that it's going to bring some fulfillment to your life. Maybe it's a failed relationship. Maybe a career change due to economic downsizing. Maybe it was a dream or a goal that was unfulfilled. Maybe it's a silent addiction percolating beneath the surface. Maybe it's a risk not taken, a bad habit left unchecked, a disagreement with a family member that was never fully dealt with. What's gone on in your past that's brought pain and anguish and heartache, and even disillusionment to how you're learning to follow Jesus today. These kinds of past experiences can leave us labeled in powerfully harmful ways. Labels such as bitter, resentful, insecure, 
failure, addict, lonely, hesitant. Here's the question. Do your past experiences label your today in harmful ways, limiting your ability to feel fully fulfilled in following Jesus? Or is your present and future, your tomorrow life, flowing out of how you're choosing to align your identity today with, I want to follow Jesus? We can walk free from the bondage of our past when we choose to live daily out of our identity following Jesus. That sounds good in theory, but how? How do we do this? How does our past behavior, our past behavioral responses to the things that have happened to us affect our ability to follow Jesus fully? Well, it actually starts with your thoughts, with the voices in your head. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, be careful of your thoughts for your thoughts become your words. Be careful of your words, for your words become your actions. Be careful of your actions, for your actions become habits. Be careful of your habits, for your habits become your character. And be careful of your character, for your character becomes your destiny. But it all begins with what you're thinking about. And do you have an ability to recognize what you're thinking about? The Bible actually puts it this way in Proverbs 4. It says, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of your heart flow all the issues of life. Because within me, within my heart, my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions is where my thoughts are shaped. And once those thoughts are there, as I begin to speak them, they become actions, which become habits, which become character, which become my destiny. So we have to learn how to guard what's going on on the inside of us so that we're actually fulfilling the mandate of following Jesus really well. The issue lies in this truth. Our behaviors don't always line up with what we believe. How we live doesn't always give credit to the message of Jesus Christ. And uh, and that can be confusing for us, and it can also be confusing for people who are spending time with us. One of the main reasons that people don't like organized religion is because they say the churches are full of hypocrites. Anybody heard that before? Yeah, I beg to differ. It's actually planet Earth that's full of hypocrites. And Jesus' church happens to inhabit planet Earth, so guess what? We're not immune to it. But did you know that a hypocrite is someone whose motive is deceitful? They are intentional about saying one thing and doing another. They mean to do it. They're hypocritical. That doesn't describe most people that I know who are sincere in their label of following Jesus but have behavioral moments that contradict what they deeply believe to be true and who they're following. Paul addressed it this way in Romans, in the book of Romans chapter 7, verse 14 and on. It says, I can anticipate the response that's coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law, but I still can't keep it, 
And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. Whew! My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. Something has gone wrong deep within us and gets the better of us every time. You know, as a father, I think I'm putting a lot of time and energy into wondering what my kids think about. And it's obvious what they think about by by their actions and by the words that come out of their mouth. And we've paid pretty close attention as parents to the kinds of things we say to our kids over the years. And you probably could all recall some kind of statement that was you were indoctrinated in in your own family growing up. You know, one of the things my dad used to say all the time that I catch myself so I don't say it now is when something bad would happen in our home, like if I broke something, I'd be like, Dad, I'm so sorry. It was an accident. And my dad would say, son, there's no such thing as accidents, only carelessness. Quality, right? Yeah, some of you are writing that down. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and and when, when accidents have occurred in my home, my, 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 my hardwired response to my kids is like, yeah, I don't want to say it, but I'm not going to. I'm like, yeah, sometimes accidents happen. Daddy still loves you. And the kind of things that I've communicated with my kids every day since they were born, I want them to remember because I want them to know that my voice matters in their life. And so I've told my kids every day, I love you. I love you no matter what. You have what it takes. Dad believes in you. You're brave. You know, our son Riley, actually the, the name Riley means valiant. It means brave. But Riley was not a brave boy when he was younger. But every day we told him he was brave. And then he began to believe it. And now he's incredibly courageous. Matter of fact, in grade four, he took on a group of grade six boys and, and won because they were picking on his older sister. Um, so it's a little bit too brave. So we're trying to dial it back a little bit. But we've told him, Riley, you're brave. And anytime we encounter a new moment where fear pushes at him, I look him in the eye and say, buddy, you've got what it takes. You're a valiant little man. You can do this. And I see him puff up his chest and step in. We've told our kids um, that they're beautiful and that they're gorgeous on the inside and on the out. We've told our kids that we're proud of them. We've taught our kids to be a good listener and what it means to be a good listener, to listen right away and to obey. And we've had them repeat that back to us. Even when they're not listening, I always say, what's it mean to be a good listener? To listen right away. And what does it mean to listen right away? To listen and obey. And, uh, you know, so sometimes they get it. Sometimes they don't. But the words that we speak as parents over our kids capture their hearts, capture their imagination, and call them to attention to remember who they are. Because I've just gotten that my kids are going to get their innate sense of identity and worth over the voices that they hear. And so I want them to know which voices to believe. There are negative voices shouting at us from our past. You're lazy. You are bitter. You are angry. You won't ever measure up. You've always been insecure. You're such a failure. You'll always be addicted. Look how lonely you are. What voices are shouting at you from your past? These voices are loud and they are constant. And sometimes they sound like our parents. And sometimes they sound like a boss that we used to have. Sometimes they sound like one of our coworkers, and sometimes they sound like a sibling or a grandparent or a neighbor. 
But you know what sucks? Can we say sucks in church? It sucks when those voices shouting at us sound like our own voice. They sound like me. And I'm shouting at myself. You don't have what it takes. Who do you think you are? What were you thinking? Moving your family to a new province to start a church. And when it sounds like us, what do we do with those voices in our head? We find ourselves speaking those thoughts out loud, and then before we know it, those thoughts have become words, which have become actions, which have become habits, which have become our character, which have become our destiny. And we are somewhere where we never imagined we would want to be. So how do we bring it back? The issue of our past condemning us and voices shouting at us and how we behave every day bringing weight and guilt into our lives is the same root issue of where we need to get our identity from. This is a spirit, soul, and body issue. Something's gone wrong deep within us, so what do we need to do? Well, here's the truth. Just because you think something in your head doesn't mean that that thought is true. People have wrong thoughts every day. And wrong thoughts need to be taken captive and torn down. Some of us here today have been thinking wrong thoughts for years. And it's consumed us and it's defined us. The ability to follow Jesus fully as our identity and not allow the voices of our past experience to infiltrate and hinder us to connect deeply with the Father It means that we have to look at Ephesians 4 and understand that we have a new nature. And I love that when someone chooses to follow Jesus, they are instantly given a new nature. The old person is gone, and a new person is come to fruition. And when you make that choice, and you invite Jesus to be central in your life, and choose to follow him, and you call him Lord, and you call him Savior, your spirit is entirely transformed. However, your physical body and your soul, your mind and your will and your emotions, they still need work. They still need time. They still need transition. They still need to learn new things and learn new ways. And they have to conform and submit to your spirit. So within you, spirit, soul, and body, three unique parts. Did you know that every one of those three parts also has a unique and distinct voice? The voice of my spirit man is my conscience. And God's Holy Spirit inside of me when I come into a situation where I'm faced with a decision to make and something that's beautiful and good or something that's harmful, my conscience, God's spirit, just kind of gives me that, "Eh, don't do it, right? You've all felt it. Even business people in the world, they call it a gut instinct. Well, really, it's just something on a deep spiritual level. Our conscience speaks to us. The voice of my spirit is my conscience. The voice of my soul is reasoning. My mind and my will and my emotions have a way to reason thoughts. Yeah, but you didn't think about and remember when this, and you can't, you can't possibly forget that this happened when the last time you... And the reasons. And then the voice of my body is my feelings, my emotions. And all three of those voices can be shouting at me at, at the same time. And the tricky thing is, is that my reasoning is loud and talks quickly, and my feelings are volatile, and my conscience is quiet. But it's always there. So who are you going to listen to? 
When it comes to your past and the things that you've gone through, you have to understand that you've been given a new nature. You've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness through Jesus Christ. Have you ever been at the crossroads of an important choice and in process had multiple inside your own head conversations going on at the same time? Reasoning, feelings, conscience. Feelings, reasoning, conscience. What do I do? How healthy is your spirit? Because if your spirit's healthy, then you can always trust your conscience. If you know the Father, and you know what his voice sounds like, and you know the kinds of things he says to his kids, then it's going to make sense for you. When I was 21, I spent a year living in a recovery home for men with addictions, and I lived there as a house mentor. It was a home that was run by a local church, and my task was to live in-house with four or five men recovering from drug and alcohol and sexual addictions and hold them accountable in their walk with Jesus, teach them some basic life skills, uh, meal planning, grocery shopping, hygiene, uh, budgeting, and just work with them. And then they were assigned to a mentor from the church. It was a really beautiful home. But as I spent that year, it really dawned on me that a lot of these men who are overcoming addictions are in this constant fight between these three voices, their feelings and their reasoning and their conscience, their conscience. And the example I wrote down is someone overcoming an alcohol addiction. Their reasoning says, well, I shouldn't drink because last time I did this happened, but you know what, the time before that nothing happened. And so their reasoning brain is trying to reason why it's okay to turn back to the bottle. And then their feelings is volatile and shouting out, look, you need this right now. We can't get through another day without this. Come on, this is the only coping mechanism that actually works for us. But what is conscience saying? And if that, if that addict doesn't know the Father and doesn't, hasn't spent time with God and doesn't know and recognize the voice of God, they're not going to hear him say, hey, I love you. I know you're feeling lost and out there on a ledge, but I've got you. I'm here with you together. We'll get through this. I'm all that you need. And you could apply that to anything that you experience when it comes to the voices shouting from your past experiences and behaviors, the people that have hurt you, the people that you've hurt How is your past influencing your today? The ability to follow Jesus fully as our identity and not allow these voices from our past to influence and infiltrate and destroy what God wants to do begins with you knowing and recognizing the voice of the Father. Because who are you going to believe? When Julia, my daughter, who's 13 now, when she came home in grade four, bawling her eyes out because a little boy on the playground called her ugly. I got down on my knees and and I looked her in the eyes because when you're a dad that's 6'6", you have to do this to talk to your kids. And I said, Julia, from day one, daddy's told you how beautiful you are. I know, daddy. But he said, ah, wait. Daddy's told you you're gorgeous on the inside and you're radiant on the outside. God made you and he let mommy and I help and you're amazing. And I look at you, and I think you're just so valuable. And one little turkey on the playground said those words. Who are you going to believe, him or your daddy? (laughs) You, daddy. You. Say it. I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. (laughs) Right? Who are you going to listen to 
When the voices pull up from your past, when the voices pull up that shout out, you're not qualified. You're a loser. Who are you to think that you can do this? You've always been a failure. You've been a disappointment from day one. Who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the noise from the playground? Or are you going to lean into the Father and say, I reject those labels from my past because of who God says I am? It's only when we begin to allow the voice of God through our spirit to lead us today that we find freedom from the feelings and reasoning arguments of our past. Later on in Romans, I love what Paul closes out chapter 12. He says, so, so here's what I want you to do. God, helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, and he develops well-formed maturity in you. Allow God's voice and the voice of God's spirit through your conscience to bring the best out of you and to develop well-formed maturity in you as you work to fight to label your life simply under this beautiful label. I want to follow Jesus. I want to learn to follow Jesus. And when it comes to the voices from our past, it begins with our thoughts. It begins with us understanding what and who have been shouting at us for years. And how do I forgive? And if it's yourself, how do I forgive myself? And how do I lean in and pay attention to what God says about me? I want to encourage you to read through Ephesians 4 this week in your own quiet time. Just take some time to to, to just look at your own new nature. And those of you here that have made a decision to follow Jesus, and maybe you've been caught up in defeat. Maybe you've been caught up in voices from your past that have tried to shape your today. And maybe you're feeling lost in your journey of following Jesus. I hope today you understand that to label your life, God, I want to follow after your son. I want to follow Jesus with all that I am and all that I have. If that could just be enough as we learn to do that, as we recognize the wrong voices and take them captive and tear down wrong thoughts and continue to build a life that honors God as we live for him. That's my prayer. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are good and that at every turn, regardless of what our brain is shouting and what our body is feeling, You are good, and you can be trusted. God, even if on paper we can't do the math and figure things out, we know that in this place that you are with us, that you are walking with us, and that your favor is with us, and that your spirit is leading us, and that your word is truth. And God, in all of these things, we thank you that you've called us into this family to be a part of what you're building your church. 
We want to follow you. We want to learn to recognize wrong thoughts, take them captive, tear them down, lean into the voice of the Father, and know what he's speaking to us. God, we honor you. 